This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 232. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. I've got Barb Sotoropoulos joining me today. Barb, how are you today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I am doing never better. I'm so excited that Barb is on here with me today. We're going to be talking about some different approaches to executing in colored pencil. And specifically, or I shouldn't say specifically, should I, Barb? I should say broadly. We're going to talk about two categories, really. Intuitive versus planning. So if you're listening today and you've been drawing in colored pencil for a while, you may be thinking, well, is there anything other than planning and being very regimented about how you begin a colored pencil drawing process, you know, and start working on your uh, colored pencil drawing? Uh, And uh, we're here to talk about, uh, yes, there is some other ways to do that. But first, we do want to talk about this whole planning approach, especially if you're new to the medium and you're listening today. Why would we um, label it like that? Why would we talk about an approach to colored pencil as being very planned? Keeps because me awake I remember at night. early. <laughs> well, I remember early on hearing someone talk about you gotta you've gotta make sure that you plan ahead of time and that you decide ahead of time. And I thought, what? Because I came from graphite a uh, long time ago. I did oil painting. Uh, even in oil painting, you could you you could just change everything on the fly. You know, you didn't like it, wipe it off with a rag, you know, and just kind of start over. But hearing that and thinking, do you really have to be that reserved about the way you're drawing and and plan everything out that much? Yeah, I think there's there's definitely um, pros and cons to both. Intuitive drawing sort of allows you for happy accidents and exploration and. As you mentioned with oil painting specifically or acrylic for that matter, there's flexibility to not only cover mistakes that you might make, but also kind of explore a little bit um, some some different things and techniques. Whereas for colored pencils specifically, you have to be very deliberate most of the time because there's not a lot of room for error or exploration. You certainly can do that, but... I think what tends to happen if you try to do that is it ends up going astray more than yeah. it does uh, end <laughs> right. up being a, a good experiment for you. But and, and I think, too, for the amount of hours and time that most colored pencil artists log into their work, you don't really want to be, uh, you know, unless you're truly doing an experimental piece, you don't really want to be yeah. almost done something and then kind of decide, hey, I think I'm going to try this now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's probably not the time you want to do that. I remember some of the best advice I ever got early on was whatever you're drawing is going to be, say you're trying to draw something on Stonehenge or say you're going to try to draw something on, I don't know, some kind of watercolor paper or something. And I remember somebody saying, no matter what it is, then you take another sheet of that same support that you're using. Cut it down if you want to or whatever, but take another sheet and you sacrifice another piece of the Stonehenge paper, and then you're figuring out all of your recipes on what you're going to be using. All your palette uh, choices need to be made over there on that test sheet of paper before you land on your project. And I started thinking, okay, it doesn't sound real deep, does it? But it was it was kind of a game changer for me because... 
it really, and you know, this is very, very early on. I've just started drawing colored pencil and it really was a game changer because I, um, instead of just using like computer paper and thinking, what does that look like? And then, uh, you know, I just kind of scribble it over there and think, oh yeah, that's a good one. I'll go with that. Instead of doing that, I went over to the same type of paper I was working on and I would create these little test swatches is what I call them and figure out my recipe you know, have the layering process, which one I use first, second, and third, would label that, and then I wouldn't forget which one I was going to be using, and then I would land on my project, and I would know exactly what I was going to get. It wouldn't be this guessing game anymore. I think that's a really uh, a really valuable point that you brought up as well, just about using the same type of paper. I think often, yeah. um, I, I think it's funny you use the word sacrifice. That's maybe a yeah, little dramatic. Yeah, sacrifice it. <laughs> Offer it upon the altar. Offering it to the colored pencil gods. <laughs> Once um, you're done, you burn it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Um, no, I, th- I think that's a really good burn point. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good uh, a really good point to bring up about using the same type of paper. Actually, um, one of the uh, articles I wrote, uh, I think it was a couple months ago for Color Pencil Magazine, I had mentioned making your own sketchbook, actually, uh, of different types of papers that you would actually use for colored pencil. So whether you are exploring, trying different types of paper or whatnot, it really is very valuable that you use the same type of paper, because as I'm sure a lot of people are aware, if you've been using this medium for a while, all papers are not created equally. Um, You're going to get very, very different really different results on different types of paper, like a a Strathmore Bristol Smooth is going to give you a really different finish compared to, you know, a a hot press watercolor paper. And it's really important that you know the difference, like even just the the difference in the texture of the paper is going to be so huge. So, you know, in terms of, um, you know, if, if you're talking about planning in the sense of even the paper type that you're using, it's really valuable that, you know, if you're, fi- if you're figuring out your, like, as you're saying, your, your formulas and your recipes for how you're going to blend or right. how you're going to match certain colors together, understanding how those, those colors interact on the paper surface that you're working on can be huge. And in, in that sense, you might also discover that you don't want to use a certain type of paper. For me, I work a lot yes. in, yeah, I, I work a lot in mixed media and I need to, I need to plan in the sense that, if I'm going to be using any kind of wet media, if I'm going to use like uh, an Albrecht Durer um, watercolor pencil, for example, I need to use a watercolor paper. And I need to know that I'm using a watercolor paper because if I try to use that in its wet form on, again, a Strathmore Bristol Smooth, for example, it's it's not right. going to be the same at all. So No, not um, yeah, well, And so- you won't get as many layers either uh, doing something like that on smooth paper. Or no, if you go on drafting all. film too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, speaking yeah. of drafting film, you're going to have, uh, I'm sure, I, I don't know how often you use that, but I, I've tested around never, on it quite a bit. Well, you know, I've never really done a drawing that I thought, ah, this is it. This is this is <laughs> this a great is the one. one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is um, it. Usually, my drawing now. I've reached the peak. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the ones you burn. That, that That's usually what happens <laughs> with the, the graphics. Pile. <laughs> how big is your burn pile, John? <laughs> <laughs> But what you find, what I found happening is everything, uh, you know, you're using a green or a blue or something like that. One of, one of the brighter, let's talk about the cooler colors. What I found on those is that it, it actually looks different. I mean, it, it looks more intense 
on a drafting film versus, you know, doing that like on Stonehenge paper, for instance. And uh, so, so yeah, that's an important, so talking, going back to talking about, you know, using that test sheet of paper that is the same as your drawing project, it, it makes a difference. I think just in uh, the look of the saturation uh, on that, on that paper, it, it, it actually just looks different. And you look at that green that you're using on Stonehenge and then you put it on uh drafting film. It's like, is that even the same green? You know, yeah. I think, happened. I think two toned papers can actually do that as well, especially. Very so true. if you're using like a black paper or a toned gray or a toned tan, um, right. something like that can really, really change and affect your drawing. It's, it's sort of that whole, um, I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you've seen it before, but I mean, oftentimes you'll see they'll, they'll kind of pop up on the internet sometimes and it'll be, um, the same exact color, but when you put it beside either a darker or lighter oh, yeah. value, it looks completely different, even though it's the exact same color. And yeah, I mean, those are those memes that. Yeah, I mean that yeah. that's that's sort of I mean that's in direct relation to the tone of your paper, but I mean right. that being said, it's like yeah, I mean there's there's so many things that can affect, you know, how the color is reflecting off the surface or how it's catching yeah. light just based on the the porosity of the paper or the texture right. on the paper. The chroma actually it, it just looks different uh sometimes totally. depending on uh the type of paper. So that's one thing in particular then is the type of paper that you're using uh, and the planning stages. I think that's an important consideration. So what are some others? I mean, um, we talked about planning ahead of time then with your colors. What about planning where your highlights are going to be and where the the lightest portions of the drawing are going to be? We all know, talking about, you know, using white or any kind of light values in a colored pencil piece that you've got to make a reservation there. You've got to reserve that area typically. And so that's the reason why a lot of people say it's like watercolor. You know, you've got to plan ahead of time. Um, And that is something that I found to be true. Although your drawing process can kind of influence that a little bit as well. And what I mean by that is, I don't know about you, Barb, but I I usually I do know a little bit about what what you do whenever uh, you're doing your process, but and I think we're kind of similar in that vein. But I'm usually trying to build up the whole drawing at the same time. I'm kind of jumping around from here to there, you know, top to bottom, that sort of thing. I sort of process from top right all the way down to bottom left, uh, or reverse that top left all the way down to bottom right because I'm right-handed and I don't want to smudge everything. Mm-hmm. I sort of go in that direction, but I'm also still building everything up at the same time. Yeah. My only reason for bringing that up is I, I think it makes a difference then when you're doing something like that, using that process, you do need to decide ahead of time when using like cotton paper, some of these traditional methods, where your highlights are going to be so that you can reserve those. Yeah, I think there's there's sort of two different veins of thought. Uh, primarily, I see with um, how people tend to execute their colored pencil drawings. And it, it is either, you know, you and I both work very similarly, as you mentioned, in terms of uh, slowly building up the overall composition. So whether that's determining where your darkest areas are first and where your lightest areas are going to be, and then sort of bringing up your mid values. Um, there's also mm-hmm. people that tend to, and it is, seems to be quite popular as well, where you're fully rendering a small section at a time. Um, 
And, yeah. you know, we, we've had the discussion before where, you know, I, I mean, my brain does not work that way. <laughs> right. So, Mine either. I, I actually find it quite impressive when people can do that and still maintain yeah. correct values and that sort of thing, because right. it's, it's just not how, um, how I think about, um, developing a drawing or even for that matter, how I was sort of trained. But, um, right. it's, it's interesting. Like, I think there's still a level of planning that occurs in that. It's just maybe it would a have different. To be. Yeah, I think it's just maybe a, a different way of of approaching how to do that. And and I think right. you almost I w- I would think that that method would actually have to be slower in a lot of ways because you would have to be so careful that you are m- keeping in mind again those values and making sure that as you move along in those small increments that. Uh, you're still maintaining the the integrity of of the tones that you're trying to create, whereas yeah, I, I and the think, relative values. Yeah, and I mean that's not to say that doing it the other way is faster, but I feel, I mean, one thing I think that it's maybe for me, I find it more satisfying, I guess, um, in in terms of process to have uh, my drawing build up slowly that way, because I feel like I'm making overall progress. I think just mm-hmm. the small increments of space, I would just feel like, Oh my God, there's so much left. I've got 10 <laughs> so more much, inches to go on that bottom totally, left. There's so much drawing left. <laughs> right, right. Eight more years before I finish this. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I feel about it. And but. I already know what it's going to look like. It's <laughs> yeah. going to look like that other section. I just, did. yeah, totally. yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, which is, I mean, and you know, I realized that that's a method that, works really well for a lot of people so sure. that's not yeah. to make fun of it at all but no no i just i i personally can't relate to doing things that way and i think i would just uh I, but i think it's i mean obviously people are getting incredible results from it so there's definitely value to doing it that way but i i would be interested to hear sort of the um and it's it's unfortunate that one of us doesn't work that way because I, <laughs> I would really love to hear yeah. I would really have to love to hear the insight of someone you know and of yeah. course there's many artists that do work that way that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with um, I think we were discussing Heather Rooney is one of them and um, right. certainly I believe Wendy Lane as well works that way Jesse Lane too, yeah yeah um, so. And so that's inter- I mean, and we've we've interviewed on the show here a couple of the, those artists. It is interesting to compare and contrast those two approaches. Both of them involve planning, but certainly the strategy to getting there for the finished piece is so so different. Couldn't be any more different than than what it is. So if you are somebody though today and you're listening, and you draw in that way, that method where you're building up a little section at a time, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to comment in the show notes, that would be awesome. Sharpenedartist.com slash podcast and comment there. It's interesting, and I meant to bring this up earlier, Barb. I'll just say it right here, though. But if uh, you're new to uh, the voice of Barb Sodoropoulos, you can follow her on most social media channels. I think you're at Barb Sodiart. Is yep, that right? I am. So that that's uh, where you can follow her work and her her process and see how she processes through things and a lot of interesting perspectives. Uh, she's also a writer, at, but it's all is it barbsodiart.com? It is, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, barbsodiart.com is my website for sure. If I put my but, whole last name, people would not find me, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't say your last name a whole lot either. I no, I don't. <laughs> and and but like literally, if I had my whole last name in there, it would be like crickets. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
when I'm drawing and trying to build up the entire piece all sort of at the same time, you know, I'm calling it that, sometimes I'm not really establishing my dark value right away. I'm getting there. I'm getting close. But it's relative balance to how light everything else is at the same time. Can't see hand gestures today. I'm making very uh, definitive hand gestures about this, and you would understand exactly what I'm thinking in my head right now. Just kidding. Um, but, But what I'm really saying is that, you know, I may be using like maybe a darker pencil in some of those early layers that sort of tells me, okay, at this moment... This, you know, I don't know, the pupil of the eye or this corner over here of the of the chin or whatever is um, dark. It's very dark. So it's going to be darker than the highlight over here or some area that is within a lit area sort of in the middle values. But as I build that up, by the time I'm done, it may be looking like it's, you know, I don't know, totally black or something like that. Early on in the process, then I feel like, and maybe it's just something in my head, you know, but I really feel like, okay, I can change all of this and I can, um, you know, I, I can decide later on that my darkest values don't need to be that dark over here. But if I chose early on to draw this little section, you know, this little corner over here, um, and I chose the darkest value then I've taken all of that guesswork then out of it from then on and I'm processing through there and I've got to match that value from then on. That's that's the part I think that I can't wrap my head around, Barb. I guess that's the part also that is sort of difficult for you to wrap think, your head around. Yeah, I think that's a valuable point. I think part of part of what you're saying there is that uh, you know, if you want to in the method that you're talking about, you're you're sort of giving yourself an opportunity to to I guess make a different decision at some point. Whereas if you yeah, so it going, is sort of intuitive. Yeah, bit, if you go in and fully render right away, and you're burnishing and doing everything, you're sort of you're taking that uh, ability to change something away, and also mm-hmm, right. like you you actually have to be almost more deliberate than ever. I would think in that method in the yeah. method where you're you know you're fully rendering inch by inch. But you mentioned something interesting because you you talked about burnishing in that method of doing little tiny you know square inches or four or five inches or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really see them as squares most of the time. It's like they'll just render a portion of it right oblong shapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> but what's interesting with that is I think most of the time. I mean, you mentioned Heather Rooney. I think we're all familiar probably with her process. She's a popular uh, YouTuber. And she does just burnish right away. And so you do take any, you, t- you take a choice away when you do that of being able to erase. I mean, there are some ways, I guess, you could kind of go backwards a little bit, but most often I don't see that happening with people that use that process. Yeah. So I that think burnishing, yeah, that's per- pretty permanent. It's like, this is, I'm committing to this. Toy, I think there's a confidence level that needs to be in place there for you to to use that method. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly somebody like again Heather Rooney has been. I mean, she's she's quite skilled and has been doing this for a while. So I, I imagine she she's getting there. She's getting there. Yeah, Just she, <laughs> she's she's all right. <laughs> she's all right. She, she's uh she's definitely got a formula and, and and techniques for yeah for for how she does things. So I think she can quite confidently go into something and and render it that way. And she's not she knows what results she's going to get. Like if you look at right, uh, you know, not to go on about her specifically, but uh, she's just a really good example for this, yeah, for this she is. topic but 
I mean, the way that she does skin tones, for example, I mean, if you watch right. some of her videos, she tends to do her skin tones very similarly in terms of her process and how she lays down her initial colors. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, she goes over with a white pencil a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that's um, the burnishing process a lot yeah, of times, it looks like. Yeah, So, I mean... It's sort but, of blending right in there. Yeah, Totally. But for her, she's obviously very comfortable and familiar with how to execute certain colors and tones and that sort of thing so she can go in mm-hmm. quite confidently and do that whereas if you're brand new and starting out that might not be the method for you like that might not be the direction you want to go right away because you might find like if you're if you don't know what results you're going to get right. right away like if you if you're not 100% confident about how something is going to look when you use that method in my opinion um I mean, it's kind of a recipe for disaster a little bit it's, if, if you don't know, right? So Yeah. That's not yeah, to say because, that you can't eventually work that way. Right. Yeah, exactly. But you do limit a lot of your options when you do that. So, yeah, there there does need to be, I think, some experience under your belt before you start rendering in that way. To some extent, you may never be comfortable working that way, and that's fine too. I mean, I think, I think the people that tend to work that way, I would assume, it, they just find a, a way of doing it that works for them, and they get the results that they want. And, and maybe for them, it does feel more satisfying because they feel like, okay, well, I've got a completely finished p- part of this drawing yeah. and, and that process. I don't have to go back to yeah. that. Because <laughs> one thing that yeah. you and I discuss a lot or, or conversations that we've had has been that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get really hung up on the, what I like to call the ugly phase of a drawing. Yeah. And that, and that is sort of, so when you're using the, the method that you and I mostly use in terms of building up a drawing, that can, I, that can really hang people up. Like I see it all the time in the Facebook groups, you know, someone will post a photo and they'll just be like, oh, I'm really stuck. I just like, I don't know how to go forward. And it's like, you're only halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and keep doing what that, you've done. Yeah, in saying that, I think maybe that's where, you know, some people do prefer the fully rendered inch by inch because to them it feels like they're seeing the result right away. Whereas Mm -hmm. it can be, it can be a little bit frustrating when you're building up a drawing, when you're getting to that middle stage where it's, it's maybe not looking great and it's not quite where you want it to be, but you're also not done. And, and, and for some people, they can have a hard time visualizing kind of the end result or, or getting to the end result, because again, with experience and practice and time, you know that you will be able to identify that you're only halfway there. But it, for some people, they, they're still not quite there yet. So I can see the advantages of doing it the other way, because you actually feel like you're seeing it right away. And it, maybe that's more satisfying. True. Yeah, that messy middle does uh, tend to hang people up from time to time. And, and it's something that I've seen a lot in uh, my students, actually, both physical workshops and classes and online. I've seen that where they'll be like, what do I do next? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I've got this much time into it. Where do I go from here? And usually it's more of a confidence thing where they're they're wanting some kind of reassurance and they're thinking, is this okay so far? And should I progress further? And, and that really goes back to planning. It really goes back to what we're actually talking about today. And that, that's one thing I bring up to them is like, well, is this what you envisioned whenever you started the piece? Because if you don't have a vision for the end product when you begin, then you'll never know where the finish line is. And so you do have to kind of decide ahead of time what it's going to look like 
before you're ever done. And so if you're halfway done, you should be able to be able to look at it at some point, you know, not when you're starting out, probably, but at some point you, you're going to have to force yourself to look at it and decide, is this what I had in mind whenever I began? And sometimes I remember this as well, because it, you know, it hasn't been all that long. I can think back, I'll put it this way. I can think back to those days when I started out right now, a lot of times after we've been drawing for a while, we have the curse of knowledge, but I can still remember that feeling like, ah, can I keep going like this? And is it going to improve if I keep going? And most of the time, the answer is yes, it will improve if you keep going. And I remember that feeling, though. It's like, well, I did pretty well so far, but I'm not sure I can keep doing what I've already done. And the way to progress is keep making all of those decisions, doing it slowly, building it up slowly, and making all of those decisions as you progress through the piece. I think there's a fine line there, too, with knowing when to stop as well. And I feel like that's another thing that people struggle with a lot. is there's there's i sort of see two two primarily uh prominent struggles i guess and Uh that's not knowing that you need to keep going and also sometimes not knowing when to stop because there is the problem of over rendering too and you'll notice when you're over rendering sometimes because you'll actually start to have color start to lift which can uh yeah that's true that's true yeah. Or or sometimes, I mean, sometimes I think it's just about being confident. Kind of, in totally. The, it's a confidence thing because yeah. you have to just make that decision at some point that you're happy with it. And right. And, and I'm not talking about like, you know, the artists have this curse of never being happy with their work, generally speaking. And, and no, I know what I'm you're not, talking I'm not about, talking though. about it's, that necessarily. Right, right, it's, right. it's the, it's the, okay, like, I feel like this is at a point where where it's where it's good because i mean to some extent you can look at any piece of artwork and you can you could always do one more thing i feel yeah, like always, a lot of the time always. you know what i mean or but you work the entire piece of you know this <laughs> yeah. edge of the nose or whatever totally so, it's like oh i mean does be- this happen to you right now i mean it doesn't happen where you keep reworking something I tr- you know what I've gotten really good I think it over does the years to me I'll at, just tell you yeah I've I've gotten good at, at kind of telling myself when I'm done <laughs> like I I I have yeah. in the past over rendered things and then been like ah I should have just should have just left it should have just let it be but, well right right but, but I, I feel like I'm still guilty of that I mean from time to time that that happens to me is like okay, I cannot leave that nostril alone or I cannot leave the edge of that mouth alone yeah and then. I, I, you know, I get that edge of the mouth looking so good in my mind. And then I step back away from it, and look at it like, wow, that's a darker value than even the nostril or the pupil, you know? And then yeah. I'm like, okay, I got to rework all of that. Yeah. You know, it's and like, see, I should have left that alone right there. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's the value of not doing the fully rendered inch at a time. Right. Because I feel like when yeah. you focus too much on a certain area, that's when exactly that can happen. And, right. and, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily, well, I don't want that. I don't think most people want that, but you know, maybe they do. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think, I think it's very easy to get hung up on your drawings sometimes and just either overwork one area or whatever. And, and sort of to your point of what you were saying about um, going in and, and knowing what you, it's going to look like at the end. 
Yeah, how do I we think, do that? We need to talk well, about that. In yeah, I was I was gonna say I think sometimes that's that's kind of a a difficult thing because I've yeah, I've, I've be. had yeah like I've had um I guess like I want to call it I mean, a vision let's just say right for right. a <laughs> for a piece that I've been working on and it doesn't always necessarily turn out in the end the way I wanted it to in my head and that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing sometimes. I mean, if if there was a way to print out sometimes your imagination, you know what I mean. Like so, sometimes <laughs> right, things you see right. in your head, I feel like I yeah. haven't I haven't quite achieved yet being able to fully create some of the things that I see in my head. If that makes sense, but, but a piece can take on a life of its own. Totally, I, I think that's what totally. you're getting at. I mean, it, yeah. it can. It doesn't mean it's not good. I think I think yeah, what you're right. saying is vision for the end. It's like okay, well, you know, to me that means. Okay, are you trying to achieve hyperrealism? Are you trying to do something more illustrative? Are you trying to do something that's maybe, you know, the colors are more saturated than your original photo? Are you trying to do something that's the opposite? Maybe it's, you know, desaturated. It, yeah, it can't like, mean that, but it, it can, can't it also mean, I mean, especially if you're new to art and you're new to the medium too, it, I think it can also mean what exactly is this going to look like? Like, I mean, even the values and even oh, yeah. um, how light or bright and that kind of thing. Um, the highlights are and the values in the, in the shadows are, um, it can mean that as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. But I think that's again, to what you're saying about confidence and practice. Like if, if you're brand new to this medium, you might not even know what that means to you yet. Like you may not, true. you may not know what, what end results or mm -hmm. where you want to go with it means because you might be so new to it still that you don't know what you're capable of for that matter. Like, True. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, th I think people who are, who are coming in and getting any kind of level of instruction to improve their artwork, they might say, okay, well, I want my work to look like so-and-so or whoever, but right. um, you know, you might not, that might be years away from your current ability. That's you know I mean? very true. Yeah. And I, and I have had students make those comments like, I want to draw like this, or I want to mm -hmm. draw like this person, or I want it to look just like this, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And that, that is, to me, that is, that is the worst thing though, uh, to hear a student who is just so hard on themselves because their fifth piece or their sixth piece or, Eight months later, they're not drawing the way they thought they were going to draw when they started out. And they feel like it's nothing but downhill from here. I'm not improving because I, I think there's something to be said about doesn't matter how much planning goes into it. You still just have to put in the reps and you build up this muscle of being able to render the way that you want. And it's not a linear process where it's always going to be uphill. It's a back and forth. It's two steps forward and sometimes one back, sometimes five back before you're going up again, you know, and, and you just kind of have to be happy with that. I think sometimes. What I think a lot of artists tend to get frustrated with is exactly what you said. They come in wanting to be like, oh, I want to, I want to have my pieces look just like this person. But the mm -hmm. thing is, it's like, I, I mean, I don't say this to be, to be mean about it, but it's almost like, mm -hmm. it's like, do you think that person just woke up one day and they can just do that? that. Yeah. Like, and they didn't. Totally. We all it's start like, in the same yeah. spot. I think that's a valid point. 
you wouldn't just all of a sudden wake up and be like, you know what? I'm going to be a marathon runner. I'm going to go to right. the Olympics. It's going to be yeah. great. All I need to do is find a coach that's going to tell me how to be an Olympic runner. And tomorrow yeah. and- I'm going to be an Olympic <laughs> runner. That's not how that works. It's the same thing with art. Right, like, right. Or, e- you- or even saying I'm going to be a marathon runner. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm going to run a, you know, a full marathon next month. Uh, yeah. Where's the coach? You know, and I, and I think sometimes, you know, as much as there are so many amazing tutorials out there and, and, you know, people that are sharing their process and their techniques and that sort of thing. I mean, they can make it look really easy, but at the end of the day, it's exactly what you said. You still have to put in the time and the work. I mean, if you're at a certain um, level of your skill, you may catch on to something quicker and be like, oh, okay, something will resonate with you. And you'll be like, yeah, okay, I just need to do this a little bit differently. And you might get there quicker than someone else. But if you're brand, brand new to art, never mind. Right. Pencil, never mind anything. You know, if if you're, I, I mean, planning is what essentially we're talking about here. But I mean, that is a stepping stone in the overall process of, yes. of being able to complete a piece of artwork. I mean, there's so many other things that go into into that, that, that make you have a successful piece. I mean, it's color theory. It's, it's being able to see things proportionally correctly. It's, it's so many other things. And so. And there's not just one or two things that are, is going to totally influence you in that direction and be the thing that just opens up the understanding that you finally need. It's a collection and it is more than a collective. It's also time and being able to train your eye. To see those things over time, then you build up that ability. Yeah, it's all those things working working in symphony, you know what I mean? Yes. Like there, it's all these small little parts that come together that allow you to be able to create something. And and um, you know, it, it's it, I can understand the, you know, because I've been there myself where I've looked at something on Instagram or something and been like, right. oh my God, like I wish I could do that. And, and, you know, you right. go to do it. And if it was just as simple as being able to do it, everyone would do it. But the thing, <laughs> <laughs> right. it's not as right. simple as that. It's, there's no. no, there's not, there's often not one magical tip that is going to be able to, to render something the same way as someone else. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. And, and what I would say kind of, you know, trying to steer back to our original topic here is that, <laughs> cause we're going on. We might want to do but, that. <laughs> No, no, no. But I mean, these things are all very valuable, I think, too. But, you know, the point is, is that, you know, planning in that sense is like what planning means to me is going to be different than what it means to you to what it means to someone else. And, and, you know, the, the people that we're looking at and admiring and seeing their artwork and thinking it's so fantastic. It, you know, their their process is going to be different than somebody else's. And, you know, even if you were to try and achieve the same results as them, you may still not want to follow the same process as them. You may still want to plan your way of getting to that result in a completely different way. Because as you know, as I'm sure everyone is aware, like, you know, the way your brain works is going to be a little bit different than someone else or the way that something makes sense no to doubt. you in terms of rendering is going to make, you know, it's going to be completely different than somebody else. So and there's nothing wrong with that. I think I think that's that's the no. whole beauty of the process of art and creating is is finding what works for you and finding that, you know, that that let's call it a magical formula that works for you right. that lets you get to the results of what you want. 
it's that magic feather. I just watched that remake of Dumbo. Um, <laughs> so that, <laughs> that stuck out of my head for a second. But yeah, I mean, it's you're, you're not going to find the magic feather. Um, it, I think what you're going to find is the more influences that you have and you expose yourself to. Now, I wouldn't say just go do it all at once, but listen to one uh, instructor, teacher, mentor, whatever, or be mentored from afar by watching someone's process online or something like that, or reading their blog or reading a book. But then be open to other processes as well. And then, you know, you'll, you'll get some tips and some instruction from everyone that you allow yourself to be mentored by. The culmination of all those things, though, working together will improve you over time. It'll improve your art over time. That's part of of the whole planning stages is being able to know what your goal is. Where, where are you? What are you trying to achieve? Where are you arriving? Where, what do you want to get out of this? Not just with a piece, but down the road. What are you trying to achieve? Where are you headed? All right. So there are some very definite things though, that you could do. And let's talk about those very quickly. And I think this will be some good tangible, nearly tangible things that you could walk away from uh, listening to this show and you could implement today. If you're somebody who, you know, you're wanting to figure out, you know, how do I figure out what I want my individual piece to look like by the time I'm done so that I can say, okay, I'm blowing the whistle. Uh, this is the finish line. I think one thing is, that you can plan things out in Photoshop. Barb, I know you and I talked about this before in the past about some of this stuff. I mean, like I, I like to do is I'll go into Photoshop and a lot of times I'll use uh, paint.net. another real good one. I'll print out a darker version, a lighter version, and then one that I feel like is just right. Now, on that one that's just right, I may do a lot of things to it. I may doctor it up even more than what I've done to the dark version and the light version. The dark and the light version are there for reference to be able to see some of the values and to see some of the colors and things like that. Sometimes I'll even print it out like maybe a black and white uh, to be able to see the values better. Or posterize a version, nail down sort of where the large value uh, shapes are. But getting back to that just right version, you can do a lot of different edits in Photoshop to be able to make it look just as close to the finished product as you want. So you're really designing and making a lot of your artistic choices before you ever hit the paper. Now, Barb, I know you've got a great video that you've done not all that long ago about some of the compositional and layout process that you used in one piece of art in particular. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually wrote an article as well in Colored Pencil Magazine. It's in the June 2018 issue. Oh, cool. Um, and I'm sure we'll have the link to my video in the show notes as well. But um, yeah, like it, I, I tend to actually, I, I have a graphic design background for those of you that don't know. And so for me, working in Photoshop is very comfortable. I mean, I do it every day. So, uh, what I like to do because I tend to do, um, more compositions that are my own creations or I'm compiling different photo references and sort of creating my own, uh, piece of art. Um, I tend to like to use Photoshop just because I'm, I'm making a lot of those decisions and color corrections and that sort of thing digitally before I'm ever drawing. And for me, that's really valuable because a lot of the times I don't often have a lot of time. So I'm trying to sort of maximize and, and be more time efficient in my process as well. But what I find really valuable with that and something that, you know, a newer, um, 
feature that Photoshop has is there's a whole liquify section in the, if you bring in a portrait, you've essentially, it's very easy to use. Yeah, I love that. And I, yeah. And I go through that actually in my video tutorial as well, but uh, it's, it, you don't need to know people get freaked out sometimes about Photoshop and, and really at a, at a very basic level, it does some really amazing things that you don't need a lot of training in the program to actually use. And that's one of them in terms of something that's useful to artists. Like for me, when I when I reference a photo of a model or whatever, because I'm usually using a lot of free resources that are available to everyone, I want to change the features of their face a little bit so that it's not, you know, if somebody decides to draw the same photo, it's not going to look exactly like theirs. And I'm doing that quite deliberately. And yeah, I mean, it's as easy as being able to open the photo in the program, going to the drop down menu, selecting that um, feature, and then playing with sliders and adjusting things the way you want them. So, you know, that's something that I use a lot in my process just to, you know, make adjustments. And it saves me time from drawing. Now, if you like the process of doing that by hand, by all means, do it. Right. Again, for me, it's more time efficient to do it digitally. And I feel like, you know, when I'm trying to work things out compositionally, like if I have a flower and I want to put it in one location, if I decide it doesn't work, I can very quite easily move it to a different place and figure that out instead of erasing it and redrawing it or using tracing paper and that whole um, situation. I, and again, for some people, you know, they don't have access to Photoshop or it's not something they choose to use. There's nothing wrong with doing it the traditional way. For me, it's just a tool that I like to use that helps me plan my composition. And then I can kind of just get right down to refining my drawing uh, yeah. when I actually, you know, have the composition worked out. And, you know, as, as a planning tool and as Something like, you know, something for like that for me is really, really valuable and helps me just determine so many things ahead of time without having to, again, um, I don't want to say waste time, but in my case, it is wasting time. Like we're racing and redrawing. Yeah. All right. Well, apparently, Barb, we've got a lot to say about this topic. (laughs) Um, So what we'll do is (laughs) we will. Well, we made it a hot topic. Uh, We will save uh, the intuitive piece about rendering for next week. So stay tuned for that. And we've got I've got something really that I'm excited to share about how you can be very intuitive with colored pencil. And and it's sort of unexpected. I'm not trying to really just tease this, but probably sounds like I am. But the thing that I'm just excited about it because it's something that I was told for so long um, was not possible. So we'll talk about that next week. But before we go, I do want to mention, we want to talk about one other thing. The whole planning process of color selections, but not even just color, because we kind of hinted at that early on in the show, but talking about the materials that we use. So we talked about paper a little bit, but what about the pencils themselves? I mean, not all pencils, colored pencils are created equally, right? I mean, there are wax and oil-based, we like to call them, or many of us like to call them that. And uh, there's a different experience whenever you're using one pencil brand over another. And there's some new players on the scene as well. Yeah, and I think we kind of touched on that a little bit when we were talking about planning paper. But, you know, I'll mention it again. You know, if you're planning on using watercolor color pencils with your regular colored pencils, that requires planning. That requires, it does, yeah. you know, you, you have to do that in a certain order. 
because you can't, I mean, you could, you could put down a layer of wax colored pencils. And then if you tried to do a watercolor pencil over top of that in its wet form, it's not going to happen. So not in the wet form. No, you can do a certain amount of layering though, for uh, sure in the dry form. Um, and, and that does, that does work. Uh, yeah. But sometimes even the experience, I mean, to your point there, even the experience of doing that, just trying to layer that, sometimes those watercolor pencils, depending on which brand you're talking about, yeah, uh, are kind of kind of stiff and uh, totally. chalky sometimes. Yeah. And actually, uh, in, in relation also to color, I would say there's an artist, I'm, I don't want to butcher her name because I believe she's Russian. She was on You're the cover. You're one to butcher her name. I, okay. No, listen, I, I'm really sensitive to that, so I really don't want I know. <laughs> I feel so bad. I'd be like, ah, I know what that feels like. Um, anyway, she was, she was on the cover of Colored Pencil Magazine. She's done, uh, I'm sure some people will be familiar when I talk about her work a little bit here, but she, uh, she did a, I believe it was a bowl of cherries, and she only used four colors oh yeah and you know who i'm talking talking about about, right yes yeah and every time you see her work or i see it it's just like what i know and she's like she just posted a bunch of stuff in in a facebook group and she i think she posted like four drawings or something and they were all done just with four colors and so when you're talking about color planning i mean a lot of people are always like well how do i get more colors i need to have all the colors but I mean, you want to talk about somebody who plans, you have to really plan when you're only using that limited of a palette and still trying to create a full color spectrum like that. Yes. You know, she's she's laying down colors in a certain order to achieve that. So, um, you know, that's that's something to consider, too, when you're thinking about planning. And definitely there is a skill involved in using a limited color palette like that and still achieving those results. But that being said, like, don't don't let um, you know, not having a full set of something limit you to uh, to what you're able to achieve, because that is 100% right, right. a great example of, you know, planning and color selection can make a really big difference. Yeah, it really can. I mean, the greater sin that I see newer artists make is thinking that an exact color designation is going to make or break a piece. Oh, that would make it look like realism if I just had that one color. If I knew yeah. the name of that one color that you used right there on that little piece, if I know that color, then my piece is going to look realistic. And that that just ain't so, as as they say. And I would also I would also argue too that if that's your kind of train of thought, it's really worth your investment to take a color theory class. And whether not even necessarily through color pencil, but like if you take a color theory class through where you're painting, it will actually teach you a lot of really valuable information in terms of how to mix color. And those same theories apply to colored pencil in terms of your layering and that sort of thing. So, yeah, they really do. All right. So maybe you were listening today and you thought, ah, they didn't talk about this. Well, that's why we need your ears. And if you thought of something that you would like to contribute or share with us, we would love to hear that. You can always email the show podcast at sharpenedartist.com. You can comment in the show notes, sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. This is a weekly show, and I'll talk to you again next week. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.